No, the dynamic yeah. also makes me think of um, the color wheel, the Alex Ross Perry movie, which is one of the only mm. decent movies to come out of like the mobilecore movement, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. shots fucking fired. <laughs> Jesus. You know what? The puffy chair has a couple words you know that what? it wants to take you into a corner. You are listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is episode 28 the puffy chair featuring aj diddy from the worst of all possible worlds out for me but um yeah well i'll i'll formally say welcome everyone to another exciting episode of fruitless i am joined today by uh the worst of all aj ditties that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm the worst of all possible aj ditties that is me thank you so much for having me on the show i am so excited to get to talk about this movie that i saw when i was 16 years old in a (laughs) grungy movie theater in los angeles that i had been dragged to by a friend of mine from san diego we drove two and a half (laughs) hours to watch this movie so if my comments going forward sound harsh it is because I drove two and a half hours to watch Mark Duplass have a quarter-life crisis. Well, and I mean, if you're watching this at 16, too, I don't think I would have gotten much out of this movie at 16 no. the way I'm, I'm 26 now. Oh, my I, God. It, I get a lot more out of it now than uh, Josiah, I probably would Josiah, you're have. a baby. You're know, a wee child. My bones are turning to dust even looking at you. Yeah, my friend who I, who dragged me up there though, he got a shit ton out of this movie. Like he oh, really? was, he he remains, I think, probably the coolest person I've ever met, uh, and he w- is the sole reason that I had any sort of cool credibility growing up at all. He was like my nice. cool friend, oh, yeah. and he introduced me to indie theater. He introduced me to like songs on vinyl, man. You know, <laughs> what, what's Fuck the one? Yeah. What's the one where the airplane is crashing into the sea? I always forget that artist. Oh, oh no, uh, uh, yeah, Bright Eyes. Um, yeah, the Bright Eyes actually, album. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, I'm yeah no, it's morning. a great album, but that's what I'm saying. I would have never, I was singing Assassins, you know, in my car. Like, I was the musical <laughs> right, theater right, right. nerd. I was not listening to Bright Eyes, and then I heard he's like, oh man, we're going into the ocean and i said okay hold on or whatever and i it blew my fucking mind uh to be fair that was also one of the first times i tried weed hi dad i know you're listening to this spoiler shocker i did weed as a teenager oopsie poopsies uh yes well yeah welcome welcome aj uh you're also officially the the third i've gotten all the worst of all possible world's hosts now you completed the set I got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> do I get a prize? Or? You do get a prize. Uh, well, I, I would actually say it's more of a, um, I don't know, a punishment because now you have to talk to me about the puppy chair for about no, an super, hour and a half. I'm super excited to do that. Uh, yeah. My yeah. prize is, is getting a chance to rewatch the puffy chair and actually yeah. enjoying it more on the second viewing. Hell yeah. Um, Cause I also did that. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have fun talking. Well, I've been talking a lot of shit about Mumblecore. 
Like, yes, yes. Both... I think it's t- I think it's time you, you came out and said uh, <laughs> uh, you have some stuff to apologize for. Oh yeah. So on my uh, on I mean this is almost a year ago, so it's really funny. It still bothers me. Mm. But when I appeared on your your guys' show like la- last year, which I think it would have been last spring, so I think almost a, literally a year ago. Oh my god! Um, really? Wow. <laughs> I, oh I so this is still bothering me. I made a comment where I was like something said something about the color wheel, and then I said that was the the one of the only good mumblecore movies and both you and brian like gasped and i was being sarcastic (laughs) here's what i will say i was doing it for the bit be like whoa whoa and then i said the puffy chair like you just can't discount the puffy chair like that being very sarcastic about it because again i had not seen this movie since i was 16 and i hated it when i was 16 because when i i did this was one of the few mumblecore movies i also liked like when i was binging them i was binging a bunch of them last year this Mm. was one of the ones i liked and yeah. so, so it was actually like a good counterpoint, <laughs> even though you intended it as a joke. I, I was like, oh shit, that is a good movie. Fuck. <laughs> and, and now that I've watched it, I, I agree with you uh, Hell yeah. in a way that I just, I don't, I feel like actually this movie would probably hit the hardest if I was still like 25 or 26. Uh, yeah. Now, now it feels enough removed where it does feel like. Oh, yeah. AJ of that time would be like, this is so me, particularly the relationship, you know, that I was in at the time that was like, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. But now I'm just kind of like, oh, these poor crazy kids, they're going to get married off screen. It's going to be fine. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, things will work out. But I mean, man, what a it it is an incredibly cynical movie for I I mean, in a way that like. I don't know, because I remembered it as more twee and heartfelt than like, this is kind of like some of Wes Anderson's movies too, where you remember them as these like bright, colorful, like twee kind of movies. Yeah. And then it's like, oh God, that guy's like slitting his wrists. Oh my God. You know, like it's like, he's oh, right. Doing it these are so delightfully. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's having a good time. He's doing it very aesthetically and very. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right in the center of the frame. Right in the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Asteroid City yet, but I am. I still I am haven't really either. To. It, I mean, it's it has it, it has a play in it. I'm like the theater boy. You would think oh, that yeah. I would be flocking to this thing, but sometimes I avoid things that I like. You know, uh, I and it sort of <laughs> seek out the things that I know I won't like because that right. can be more fun for me. <laughs> right. Uh, it, I I've watched a bunch of uh, mobilecore movies I hate, and I still haven't seen the last two Scorsese movies. <laughs> And Fair. I know I'll like them. They're lengthy. They're, they they're lengthy. Long. That's true. Mumblecore movies, you're in and out, right? Because they, they cannot yeah. sustain themselves past a certain point. <laughs> There's a, there is a point where they, yeah, of diminishing return, I think. I When I see a 90-minute Mumblecore movie, I go, oof, yeah. that's long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to come in at a tight 79. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so so in defense of Bumblecore a little bit, here's a good good Bumblecore movie. So what was what was your experience? No, wait, you, you've already talked. You you gave your experience. Oh, and- I can give more. I can give <laughs> oh, so much yeah, more yeah. context. Tell, tell me all about the seeing this for the first time. So you know, in the Disaster Artist, they filmed mm-hmm. the the premiere of the room in the actual theater where I think the room premiered. I think they did like a one to one recreation of that theater. Uh, yeah, that 
was the theater that I saw the Puffy Chair in for the first time. <laughs> uh, it was a rundown, like, I, 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 like the, I remember most distinctly. It's less the film, because honestly, there's large chunks of this film I don't remember. I obviously remember. Spoilers for the Puffy Chair. Go watch it. It's on freebie. You can watch it right now. Go, yeah. go enjoy the movie. Come back. Uh, but, like, the main image I remember is of the Puffy Chair uh, being lit on fire. Like, that's the... That's, that's, I, I think that's the, the only... Most of the movie's so ugly ugly and unrememberable and how it looks which i actually like about yeah. it but it, it's that way but that's the one like bordering on beautiful striking moment you know <laughs> yeah it is it is funny watching this movie and being like oh this was after 9 11 because it feels like in that shot where they're driving down the highway like the camera would just like pan to the left and the you know the two towers would still be there because yeah, it's so yeah. grainy and it's so it looks like it was recorded on a camcorder i know it wasn't but uh yeah. it was it was done on a... Oh, they did say the name of the camera, but I'm so bad with cameras. This is where Brian needs to be here. Brian. Yeah, I don't remember the. I don't remember the name, but it, I mean, it, they spent like ten, ten grand on the camera or something, which is crazy. Yeah, and the other <laughs> and the other five thousand dollars in the budget went towards uh, the actors and the music rights to transatlanticism. I guess, <laughs> which. Which I think is kind of funny. I mean, so it sounds like you you, you were more um, m- more enjoyed the music breaks. Music breaks was one of the few things I felt could have just could have been cut out of it. Just got, get those but, things out of there. <laughs> but I might be. I might. Yeah. I, I think. Know. I think that's sort of one of the things. It's just like uh, it sets it in such a time and place. Transatlanticism. You know, was was the song that white boys listen to to feel things. <laughs> but, you know, if if there wasn't a copy of Fridays around uh, to right, scream right. Uh, to scream about a uh, an airtime disaster, it it, it was <laughs> it was definitely transatlanticism and that playing of yeah. it, it's just it's so they cut to like the big climax of the song and i think the reason that the that particular death cab song works as well as it does is because it's so long and the build up takes yeah. so long that by the time you reach come on you're also going come on cuz you've been reminded of every <laughs> single person who's ever broken your heart uh who who you need yeah. so much closer uh but yeah it 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 feels like it sets this movie up in a way that you're like, oh, by the end, they're going to get together. Because at the beginning, they're having all these tiffs or whatever, but they can't stay in transatlanticism. And then, uh, surprise, <laughs> the whole thing's about a very long breakup. And that... yeah. That's so cool. That you never see that happen in indie movies. The the white guy always yeah. like gets everything he wants. He like no, his and, privilege, and, and not just. I mean, I would also say like Duplass is what, what I I really like is like Mark Duplass is not. He's he's not a likable guy in this oh, either. Like no. it's not a it's not like um. Yeah, there are a lot of Mumblecore movies or indie movies where, yeah, like you said, the white guy gets you know gets the girl at the end, all that cliche. But also, yeah. you know. He might have some flaws, but, you know, understandable flaws. And at the end of the day, yeah. you know, he's pretty much a solid dude. No, mm. Yeah, Mark sucks in this. Like, <laughs> not, I mean, he's great as an act. He's, he's, he plays the role well, but he's like phenomenal he's a, as an actor. Yeah, but he's a prick. <laughs> yeah. You know what I kept thinking the entire time watching this? I wanted the alternate universe where he played Jim on The Office. Like, because... <laughs> 
Imagine yeah, a world yeah, yeah. where Krasinski didn't get the power he did, so he couldn't, you know, just blatantly <laughs> rip off uh, a quiet place from someone else and settle out of court about it. Or uh, if he, yeah, well, uh, before, by the way, uh, listeners, before we started talking, Mike, uh, Josiah and I were like, we can't really shit talk people on podcasts anymore. Uh, now that that's sort of come to, ever since <laughs> Tina Fey told us not to, we can't. And right, here right. I am coming after Krasinski, <laughs> one of the most powerful CIA assets in Hollywood, allegedly. So, uh, and, now, and you know, and we'd be spared his If, which is a movie that posits, what if imaginary friends were real? That totally original <laughs> idea from the mind of John Krasinski. What the fuck? The man thinks he invented the concept of good news and imaginary friends? Get the fuck out of here. You wish you were Mark Duplass in the puffy chair. I'm coming for you, Jim. Look coy into the camera if you want, but I will burn you. I no, I totally do stand by this though. I think I think Duplass actually would I would much rather see him fall because I think I don't know. I don't see Mark Duplass getting tempted by like the action hero role or things like that. Yeah. In the way that Krasinski no was. Ryan in his future? No. no. Have you seen have you seen the the creep movies with Mark Duplass? No. No really good actually like some pretty solid found footage movies um, i saw i saw that he had writing credit or directing credit on both of those and he starred in, in both of them Is yeah that, he stars yeah. and he's just he plays such a good psycho like just an insane murderer person <laughs> yeah there's sort of just like yeah. a simmering energy underneath him uh we just watched reds this uh this last week for uh right. for the podcast and uh, we talk a lot about how jack nicholson is also that way how you can't like put jack nicholson in a romantic role and not have that air of menace slowly boiling <laughs> underneath it's just like at any moment jack nicholson could full go full on the shining yeah right yeah even before the shining like that's just kind no, of no he's he's just got a, yeah he's just he just has a certain menace to him yeah yeah absolutely can and you imagine yeah, jack nicholson um, in this movie can you imagine jack nicholson being like <laughs> I'm going to no, stand here and watch you reupholster this chair. I'm going to sit in my truck and watch you. I'm, I'm laughing even more at him being Rhett, who haven't, we haven't even introduced yet, but that's a, that is a very funny metal image to me. Like the whole marriage scenes. <laughs> We've decided that we're going to get married. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um... Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Let's we we might as well like just dive right into the actual plot. Um, let's go for it. Let's I do mean, it. What a f what a film to be made by just you know uh, two guys who borrowed fifteen grand from their parents and uh, <sighs> decide to take this thing on the road, and yet it never feels like cheap artistically like all the shots are no. so well plotted out you can see like that these guys got that what i i hear your generation calls the riz <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah well and i mean it, it's really interesting comparing this movie to um you know on the fruitless patreon we talked about kissing on the mouth a few weeks back okay and that's the that's and the that's joe swanberg is that uh, the that's first a, Bumblecore? Is that like the, the, the no? So the, well, the first one is is funny, haha. Um, oh, that's the one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's like 2003, I think. And then 2005 though is when it actually blew up, like at Sundance and stuff. And so that's the right. year we get the puffy chair. We get kissing on the mouth is Joan Swanberg's uh, con contribution, and then you get what nice. a mutual appreciation is the other one, um, which is okay. Um, that, that, that's but, what I call when a when a mutual masturbation is successful. <laughs> 
we we mutually appreciate it. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Do you? Yes. So we mutually appreciate it. Great. <laughs> Shake hands afterwards. Doctor. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> But um, yeah, so comparing this to like kissing on the mouth, though, it's like, man, this this has a story. Um, <laughs> you know, even if it's a loose one, it's what, what is one. kissing on the mouth's whole vibe? Like, what? Well, how does that feel as a movie? Is it just like a bunch of people hanging out? Like, what's what's the ba- vibe? Of that barely one? even that. It cuts to like, um, uh, like Joe Swanberg re- recorded a bunch of like. Um, interviews with college students they're supposed to be like the sex lies and videotape thing kind okay. of yeah but not really and so they just kind of play that over a really boring kind of plot that's about um the main woman is hooking up with her ex and then she's talking about how hooking up with an ex is weird to her friend and she's also got a roommate who wants to sleep with her but won't admit it and he's being jealous and that's about it. That is really is it. And then it's wow. only reputation comes from there's a, a scene of Joe Swanberg uh, unsimulated jacking off to completion. Oh, OK. So there's a bunch of like really graphic sex in it. And that's why that's why it. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, yeah. And I guess I guess this is the complete opposite vibe, because this is like the least sexy movie you could you could ever watch well okay to be clear kissing on the mouth is it say it i <laughs> okay my, okay, my, my right. guest on that described it as both leering and unerotic at the same time <laughs> can i i i i mean it sounds it sounds like it could be i mean it really is the two wolves inside of you right it's either going to be yeah. leering and unerotic or the hottest thing you've ever seen um yeah. you will mutually appreciate with the film that's right yeah. no yeah but just so you compare them and the, the vibes are just so different where not just that it's it has a plot but also i think the the characters are really lived in like in this yeah. i don't know they it's got the same like improv dialogue and stuff but like kissing on the mouth's improv dialogue feels like people doing doing improv but they don't know the yes and rule like they're like oh no <laughs> it's just a real like circular conversations as this yeah. feels like what actual arguments feel like when you're yeah. in a rough relationship yeah like, yeah 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 i, I mean uh, this opening scene is it establishes things like so so clearly and quickly you know we see uh mark duplass like drum sticking with a chicken drumstick <laughs> and you can tell that uh he and emily i believe is her name the character's yes, name yeah. it's, it's it's josh and emily are these two and he uh they start doing baby talk to each other and i'm just like oh yeah they're oh. doing the weird couple voice this is don't show other yes. people I'm so glad it, you point this out immediately because this yeah. is a, a staple of like a mumblecore in general and it is mm. to varying degrees how sure. good it is. Because in this movie, it works perfectly. Yes, yeah. I find it annoying. Yeah. But because hearing anyone else's couple talk is yeah, annoying. That's exactly but I also what it do it be. myself. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I've you done that in relationships. You recognize the truth in it. Like, you, it, mm-hmm. it, it, like it, this movie, like, radiates truth out of every interaction, which, again, for a first full feature is yeah, an insane accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. As, like, I don't know, uh, in, in some other, a lot of other Mumblecore movies, it'll be, like, two people doing that kind of baby talk, but they're having a fight while using it, and then it's, like, it, it feels like two people that don't know how to communicate, and it starts getting really frustrating to watch, and not in, yeah. like, a productive way but in this it just captures it beautifully it like okay you see this relationship really really established with their their little silly banter and then of course um the table gets upended (laughs) 
<laughs> Very literally. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So here's a question I had. Uh, yeah. Were these flip phone earphone things around? Do you like remember these when you were a kid at all? Uh, you know, uh, I don't remember them very much. No, I mean, I, they yeah. had to have been around, but I, nobody I grew up around was using them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is it, it is immediately such a great like time and place setter, right? We haven't gotten yeah. any of the the music tracks yet. So again, you think you might be in like the early '90s, and then there's a flip phone with this earpiece, and you immediately establish two things: one, that we are definitely in the early 2000s, and two, yeah. uh, this guy is a prick. This guy is like the worst guy you've ever met. Just hold the phone up to your ear like a normal person. (laughs) Well, this what I love about this this movie is I on the whole, I think like I think Mark Duplass's character is the most in the wrong in the relationship. Oh, yeah. But what I love about this interaction is it does what a lot of the movie does, which is you you don't leave the scene quite sure of who you think is the good guy because he takes the phone he's being a prick and you're like oh come on dude you're being a bit of a dick and so you're kind of you're taking her side yeah (laughs) and And then then... (laughs) yeah she she flips the table she she knocks all the glassware on the floor and i'm like what is this a college acting class what is this (laughs) i'm sorry any acting class with a man It's it's incredible. Like it's just you know he's being annoying for sure, but then the reaction is to ten, and so you're like, man, this is just a bad relation. We have gone from seeing oh this is a nice like normal relationship to oh no these these can, two are rough. Yeah, and that it can turn <laughs> on that dime like that. That it can it can yeah. go like so quickly. Uh, I love that his response after she storms out is to the guy on the phone. And he's like, oh, it's just the TV. Just like. <laughs> We immediately get like so much information about this relationship, which is yeah. one, this has happened before and often because he he's shaken by it, but not in a way that it's like, this is a brand new development. Right? No, it's, it's kind of stunned and just annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Like now I have to clean up all this fucking glass. And like, yeah. two, it's like, you're immediately hooked up like, okay, so what kind of person is she that she would just do this out of nowhere? Like, how long has this been going on? Are they actually doomed or like, did something happen? Did he cheat on her? Like, are they coming back right. from that? Because yeah. you're also like, if this is such an extreme reaction, then also like, maybe there's history here. Maybe it wasn't that extreme. Maybe, right. maybe with a bunch of history here, we would understand it more, but you just don't know. And yeah. actually I kind of liked what you had said earlier about, even though th- this is, we'll jump back, but you, yeah. you know, when the music does come on, you, you had mentioned it just cuts to the climax of transatlanticism it doesn't play the whole build-up yeah. and in a way isn't that kind of how you you're starting this movie out is at yeah. the climax of their relationship before things are about to fall apart you know what i mean these are like this yeah. is where all that tension is built up so we start without knowing the backstory and just in the middle of this thing's about to break apart oh man that's so smart yeah absolutely like we live it's an entire movie in the denouement and you kind of yeah you kind of feel that too or it's like you know, I feel like this still is very much a very sort of masculine structure, right? Which is, you mm. know, a traditional story structure of uh, build, 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 single climax, and then you you go to sleep, right? Like that's yeah, sort yeah. of that that uh, <laughs> the the mark of um, everything that Joseph Campbell uh, stood for, yeah, uh, yep. and 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 also um, uh, other things he supported. Like, hold on, I'm just gonna check my notes here, and oh, oh, <laughs> oh no, uh oh. Okay, maybe don't look into what else Joseph Campbell was really a big fan of. That seems... Oh. 
<laughs> oh dear. I didn't know he spoke German. So, you know, there's <laughs> So so it is interesting that like it is like that's kind of what the movie feels like is that you are in this endless tailspin, like you're headed toward the sea, and there's a man with a very high pitched nasally voice next to you screaming at you, going, Well, I guess we're gonna die, Baron in uh, but uh, but like that's that is what it that is and that's that's reflected in the song that's so smart. Oh, they're so smart, and I know it's, and I know you can dramaturg your way out of everything, but that feels just so intentional because all the shots in this movie are also way. just so intentional. They really are. And and that's the thing is because like I think people think the shitting on Mumblecore is about the fact that it's cheap indie movies. Right. But that's not the problem with Mumblecore. Like that you no. can make fantastic cheap indie films. You just yeah. have to like have intent. And this movie yes. has some intent. Yeah. And you know, like I, I, I think it was they were they were really smart in how they did it too because they they'd had one one short film before they made this one. And so mm. their game plan was if we can make one short film, let's build a film around like uh, a road trip because yeah. road trips are just a series of vignettes kind of anyway. Right. And so then we can yeah. just have seven short films that are linked together. And the movie yeah. kind of feels that way. So like yeah. we just got through short film number one, which was that fight. And yeah. now we're to beginning of road trip with um with him doing the say anything thing outside sitting out the, the window, morning. but he doesn't have the Peter Gabriel CD, so he's already <laughs> fucked up again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like once you know that this whole thing is a breakup, all the signs along the like it's a breakup movie, like all the signs uh, along the way, they're like they're like threading it very softly. But again, when you're 16 years old and watching this, you're kind of like. Oh, but he's he's the good guy. He's the guy I'm used to seeing like win in these things. So clearly he's going to be able to turn it around. But yeah, at every corner they're just peppering stuff in, and they got to introduce his weird fucking brother who loves just shooting <laughs> lizards. I guess in the bushes outside of his home. Does he have a job? Probably not. <laughs> he, he, he's just a magical character, old Rhett. Uh, so, I like. I really like this actor too. I, I yeah, Rhett's it, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he, um, what, one last thing quick yeah. I was about to yeah, say yeah, about Josh yeah, yeah. in the say anything thing, though, is like, yeah, please. what I think is kind of interesting about it is as things go on, Josh's big fault and what Emily's mad at him about is that he can't really communicate his emotions or really express like love or whatever. And so right. then what the example of him trying to express love is him pulling something from pop culture <laughs> like he has to pull from previous scripts from movies <laughs> to know how to communicate romantically. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like this picture because I'm in it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to throw that out there because I, I no, thought that was really very important. Too. That is a very important thing and a thing we're going to see, I think, a couple more times in the movie too. But yeah, so so the plan is they're they're going on this road trip and he's going to swing by um, Rhett's place to visit his brother and then they're going to go and they're going to pick up a a big puffy chair big puffy red chair the the titular one yes. that um you know it was it resembles the one that they had had as a kid so he's got this nostalgic gift and then they're going to finish the road trip at their parents place where he's going to give the gift yeah he, um, he bought it off of ebay so he had to print out the copy yeah. of the thing on ebay that which, was a placing it in a time and place thing like you've been pointing out yeah yeah that yeah, yeah. for sure did, did you ever have to print out oh yeah, uh, yeah something yeah. For, okay, i mean okay. i was i would be pretty young when that was a thing but i was still like i yeah i remember yeah, yeah, having I mean, to, you, you would have memories at that point certainly yeah, uh, yeah but i mean i remember like when i would have to drive places in high school i would print out map quest 
things, <laughs> map quest yeah, directions yeah. to houses, because uh, this was before Google Maps and all that. Yeah, um, but it was, or maybe it was in the beta stages. I don't know. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like somebody in the comments is going to be like, "Well, actually, Google Maps came out in in tw- in two thousand eight. Yeah. You rude, I'm sure you fool. It did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Uh, it's it, it's it's really lovely because it, you know it just seeing the old font of eBay. Like I haven't been on eBay in years, but like it still has this yeah. sort of Craigslist like murder font is the only way I can yeah. describe it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're on yeah. The, they're on that quest, and we meet Rhett, and he is just so he's there's such a profound sadness at the core of him that he just will not reckon with, and you see it almost every moment in his eyes that he's watching his video about that like lizard on the leaf, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, he is the lizard on the leaf. That's all he wants to do is just to sit on a leaf and drink water and be happy. Like that's that's his whole vibe. And he lives in a world where he can't do that. That is the tragedy of Rhett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rhett Rhett's a great character. He he's he's awesome. Um yeah. he's so funny. Yeah. Um I, but you said tragic. that you had a reading now that it was very cynical this time. Like do you think there yeah. were a lot of I I've I didn't really notice it because I do. I was watching it sort of more with the emotional, like, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, sentimentalist sort of take on it. But like, were there a lot of jokes, pointed jokes, like directed at Rhett in particular? Because I caught no. some. Of them. No, I, no, I didn't catch a ton of them. But until later, I think, mm. like, for me, how on this viewing, how I had seen it was that Rhett was funny because Josh was so jaundiced about the world, and then Rhett is like yeah. the stereotype of like, let's be open to the world, man. Yeah. Kind of like, thank you for so sharing this the, pizza with me. Yeah. Yeah. And so then him, like, again, spoiler for one of the actual bigger developments later, we're going to spoil it all, but yeah. you know, like later on when, when he, after the wedding, when he, when he just dumps her after the wedding, immediately, immediately she starts crying. He's like, not for me, dude. I have, yeah. I got to be happy all the fucking time. That's when the, the cynical joke of it paid off to me where it's more yeah. like, he's really not actually this open lovey dovey person. Like he's been conveying this whole time. He, you know, <laughs> yeah. Cause they, they actually, they, they do hold back on that punchline for a really long time because this is a character that in a lot of other comedies or a lot of other movies would be like the, you know, kind the, the voice of wisdom. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, but, like, well, like stupid wisdom, like the the yes. simpleton who actually gets it better than all the smart ones around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This big this big city lawyer just learned something from you, Rhett, and it was that I yeah. got to appreciate my daughter more or something. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens after that. <laughs> well, he goes, he goes. Uh, uh, th- 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 he comes along on the road trip now. He's he's their new road trip buddy. Yeah, and he kind of like signs himself up for it, which is see, this is the kind of stuff where I, I think I wasn't watching it as closely last time because I think a lot of the comedy of it is never in the actual dialogue, although sometimes it is. But like, it's often in people's facial expressions is where I started finding how funny this movie was, oh, and it, sure. it's because it becomes immediately apparent what he's about to ask, but he's really dawdling about it. Where he's like, "Now nah, I really respect your guys's road trip." And that your time alone and stuff. And they just yeah. both look at each other like, fuck me. <laughs> like, it, it's just a like, quick and it just made me laugh. I- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then also the look on her face of just like, oh, he's going to come, isn't he? Like, there's no yeah, way he's not. Like, this isn't going to be a discussion. This is just. <laughs> oh, God. And then they get in the car and he's asleep in the back. And, you know, Josh asks Emily, are you mad at me? And she says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and this was really interesting. I uh I, I read A.O. Scott's review of, of the Puffy Chair. Oh, yeah. Sort of like, okay, what did like the main establishment sort of think about this movie? And he said uh the Puffy Chair does a lot of heavy lifting as a metaphor for the film. But a thing he pointed out that I that I thought was very, very smart, which was just um that none of these people know how to be adults and are desperately clinging on to childhood for dear life. And the way they do that is that Emily is actually trying to like act like an adult, but she's just parroting a, a thing her parents said to her when she was like five or six years old. Like even when they yeah. speak in their baby talk to each other, they're just trying to like stay kids for as long as possible. And this oh, movie wow, yeah. is just sort of proof of how that's completely unsustainable and how if you build all of that stuff into a chair, the titular puffy chair, that the only way for you to actually grow up is to be like Rhett and to burn it all to the fucking ground. Um, but first we get a motel heist. And that's, <laughs> that goes on for a long time. <laughs> uh, I, love, I do love this. I love this. It's, it's like, what I, what I love about it is it does all that thing that really good, like, classic comedy does, right? Which is just, it it, it, it exhausts, like, sort of every single comedic angle you can come at a thing. Because right, just when right. you think it's done, there's a new level of complication. <laughs> and you're just like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, it feels like it's just getting really down to the logistics of how this is going to be too complicated like not worth it at yeah. this point you know yeah. but yeah so so they <laughs> when when the the van pulls up to this motel josh makes emily duck her head down um and he <laughs> informs them that he found out that he can get the room for ten dollars cheaper if he's uh, alone which so he's okay, going to cool. lie <laughs> and also here and i think the best punchline is you find out how much this room is for and it's like 10 bucks i think <laughs> like dude just pay the extra five dollars what's wrong with you which also in 2005 i was obviously not renting hotel rooms in like 2005 2006 right i was a teenager but like right i i i, I, I still don't think that was a this ton cheap? of money yeah, no, I, I, I feel like you know Motel Six. Obviously, you could get a room for six bucks a night. That's where the the, the motel yeah. got its name. But like, and Super Eight, you could get it, you know, for eight bucks a night. But that was like back when it was originally founded, and you know, it didn't mm -hmm. account for inflation or anything. But I would have sworn that in the two thousands, it was still pretty expensive to like rent a room somewhere. Now you can't get a room for less than like sixty bucks a night, sixty sixty four bucks a night. Yeah, yeah, I I would be surprised to find a hotel room for like fifty dollars somewhere, even out here in the Midwest. I yeah, uh, I, like, I do I do wonder if there are some places in New York that pr would probably charge hourly. I'm sure somewhere. Oh uh, well, I don't know if those still exist anymore. Like that's that's sort of the thing. It got uh, uh, most of them got eradicated. You know, when, oh. uh, when Giuliani decided to clean up the town. Okay, wait, where where were we? So we, it was a rat. We're we're at the hotel heist. We're at the motel. And the hotel the heist. That's right. Motel yeah. heist. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so to do that, he he goes in, you know, and he has them both, you know, ducked down, hiding in the van, and he, you know, goes in to buy it. And I, th this scene's so funny because Rat is just like mortified at the concept of him lying. And yeah. So the whole time he's just like he's just looking her in the eye. Is he's, he's just like saying that to himself? Oh yeah, absolutely. He's and then. The, the, I, I love that line because it is so quintessentially Rhett in this movie. And then, like, Emily comes in with this, like, fucking stab Brutal. to the gut where she says, that's Josh. Ugh. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, like, 
by the time you reach the end of the movie, I think it's one of the only films where you're like, break up, break up, break <laughs> up. I mean, because what has he lied to her about? Like, because that's the other thing. Like, there's so much of this relationship that we just don't get answers to. We don't to. know. Yeah. They've, they've been together for, like, six years at this point. Like, it seems like this yeah. is, like, their first big major relationship. And, you know, that, that's, that is sort of where, like, the first big breakup happens, I think. Generally, yeah. it's, like, 25, 26. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I feel like the performances in this movie across the board are really, really lovely. Um yeah. But but Emily really knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and yeah, that that line is just yeah, it's it's very telling and it's a lot of the stuff it's interesting cuz it's telling regardless of like is it that Josh is a real piece of shit or is it that she always just sees him that way? It doesn't really matter. Point is, it's right. communicated how broken this situation is. They do not belong <laughs> they together. They shouldn't be together. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We go, we go into the, uh, I mean, speaking of them not belonging together, right? We yeah. get another fight from them after uh, all these shenanigans where he's finally to get able to get both him uh, and Emily into the hotel. <laughs> yeah, after- like makes her, makes her run with his clothes on so that the lady thinks it's, yeah, it's great. It's very yeah. funny. Um, also some, some very subtle costume design here that I want to point up. Uh, he is sure. wearing a red shirt and she is wearing a green shirt because he wants to, uh, put a stop on their relationship where it is. And she, as we learn later, wants to get married and go forward. Once, so yeah. they're literally those two. Um, if he had been wearing a yellow shirt, if red had been wearing a yellow shirt, I, I think that would have kind of, uh, but been a little too on the nose, but it's just like, now it's just nice and subtle, a nice little thing under the surface there. Um, but yeah, they yeah. get into a huge fight. Because she yeah. decides to start shit right before he goes to sleep, and here's the thing: <laughs> don't don't ask don't ask questions that you know are going to end poorly right before your partner's going to sleep. I see. This is because because okay, he's such a prick in this movie. But right. then there's also moments where I really empathize with him during a specific moment, and then I yeah. start to go, "Am I a real shitty dude?" Then yeah, so I'm really I'm just happy you pointed out this. This is fucked up. It is. <laughs> like, it really they're is. They're just about. To, they're just falling asleep, and she's like, "What do you love about me?" <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Whoa. Okay. What? Wow. Whoa. Well, no. Yeah, no, and, and you know he doesn't really show it. And look, here's I, I, and, the other and he side should. of this. Yeah, yeah, the other side of this, like I, I do understand, right? Like if you are going to vomit, it is better that you vomit sooner than later, right? It is better that you get all this yeah. all out there so it doesn't fester. You know, you want you want the stuff out in the open. Um, but it, it is also one of those things where it's just like, oh come on, I it, just like an hour or two asleep at least. Just it's been we just did a whole motel heist. We don't we don't need to do this now. Uh, but she's very hopeful that, uh, you know, he's going to say the thing that like makes the relationship worth staying in and he fucks up, he fucks up again. Yeah. Because I mean, well, so, so she points out earlier in the, in the day, Rhett had said that Emily is beautiful and she smiled and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, yeah, you know, so she's like, the Rhett's the only one who said anything nice to me today. And that is true. Like if that's a thing yeah. that you should work on, right. I mean, I don't, wouldn't bring it up at midnight, but whatever. Um, right, 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 right. <laughs> Honestly, then he's be, like, say something nice about me. And he's like, what is it? T- it she could have just been like, say and, something nice about me. And it would have been over, done, great. Um, and there's so many, yeah, there's so many things like that where, yeah, yeah, where, you know, because then I go like, yes, this is annoying, but you can just like say something nice and it'll be okay. And then what right. he says, you're beautiful. He just says what Rhett said. And I'm like, that's the worst thing. 
I think you could have said. Yeah, it's another case of him not saying his own words, but stealing from someone else's Other thing. people's it's words, the, yeah. It's oh, the same thing all yeah. over again, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is, it's so funny because they just, it, it's such a clearly defined dude in a way that I feel like a lot of the kind of movies that, like this that I've seen in the past, sort of these more indie movies, like mm-hmm. it's not... It, it it like kind of shies away from making its protagonist unlikable in any way, but it also usually overcorrects and makes them not human anymore and makes them into yeah. more like a, like a hero, like a champion or a savior or whatever. Right. And no, this your, your one protagonist is just like, shouldn't be. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. They know exactly <laughs> what kind of what kind of shitty what shitty guys do that aren't like these big like abusive gestures, but just kind of suck. And they like, yeah, yeah. Well, and in, in, in a subtle like, I think there's there's a subtlety to it of doing the kind of shitty stuff that I could see myself doing on a bad day, stuff like that. Yeah, and that's that's what I really like about it is because yeah, it is it's like a kind of shitty where you're you, if you, you if at least if you are a straight white guy like me watching it, you can get real uncomfortable for a moment because you're like ah. I'm pretty sure I've done this before. I'm pretty oh, sure I've said yeah. this before. This as sucks. Some, yeah, and as someone who has lived, <clears throat> you know, most of his life sort of in, uh, you know, in a straight white guy mode, right? Yeah, in my early 20s, 100% I was this asshole. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, <laughs> right, yeah. th- there's so much of this movie that I find myself cringing at uh, because I just feel like, oh, no, that he is, he, I, I did that and it was fucking awful. Um, yeah. but I like, I like that. It's just not, he's not like the worst guy you've ever met. And it's like wh- when I see movies that are just like, that try to like forgive like racism by making it like, you know, the most cartoonishly Southern evil racism. And then all the white people, yeah. that and sort of like, well, I'm not like well, that. Not so like that. I can't yeah. be racist. It's the same thing, but for just like misogyny. <laughs> right. That's what this movie feels like is it's like, it's, it's trying to, sort of not give in to the all misogynists beat their partners and are verbally abusive, right? Some misogynists just kind of suck like you suck sometimes because you you live in a society that has, you know, ingrained that misogyny into you. And, you know, in general, this is this is something that like broadly with Mumblecore or with these kind of like indie films about like uh, you know, uh, young, young adults in insert major ish city here who are, you know, sure. o- overeducated, <laughs> overeducated and, you know, artistically minded, but, you know, kind of downwardly mobile, etc. Like there's a lot there's a lot of movies like in this, you know, Mumblecore, I think of it then like Noah Baumbach movies are a lot of those. Right. Yeah. I think they are almost always better if they're also really poking at the types of people in like that come out of that they're not self-congratulatory about that or they're not necessarily just going like oh it's so hard to be in this situation or whatever but it's actively looking at like am i shitty (laughs) you know like they they make you kind of like have to think about that (laughs) well it's asking a question right like i feel like the great art asks questions as opposed to Mm -hmm. like because the other side of this could be completely self-hatred right this guy is so fucking despicable because i hate myself and i hate everything Mm -hmm. about myself and this movie actually even though it is very up close and personal it does take this sort of very objective view of just like this is actually what a lot of relationships just look like uh, and it yeah. doesn't put too much judgment really on anyone. It's just like this is uh, sometimes people just aren't meant to be to each other, be together, and it makes them act in ways 
that are shitty because their bodies mm. are actively telling them, get out of this relationship. It is not, right. this is not your person. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's what the, what these movies do best is make you kind of have to, especially if you are someone who is in this kind of, I don't know, a similar milieu to the movies. It, it makes you question yourself rather than be like, oh, yeah, it gets me. But it should be like, oh, it gets me. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that it gets me. This movie doesn't get me. It didn't play a song I blared during a breakup uh, over its opening credits. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Where are we? At? So, um, oh, yeah. So, th- and this is, th- okay, here's the, the kind of dry little dark jokes to this too right is yeah. that after they fight a little bit they finally i mean they re- they barely resolve it but they start joking around and then they do some tickling. you know they're happy they do some tickling they're happy for a second and then finally because it's not like they're screaming or shouting that is the one that is what gets them caught it's right. their joyful laughing is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is what Holy you know shit. makes makes the person who owns the motel realize there's two voices in there and right. and uh, because Josh she saw the guy in the, to, in the right. trunk right like she, she shined yeah. a flashlight on Rhett in in the van uh, yeah and she was just like and that would be bad enough but now there's someone else in there there's three <laughs> fucking people and this has to be the woman who just owns the motel right like it seems like it yeah, yeah. I, she's great she's great honestly she's uh yeah I, I, she's great on camera i always like watching sort of non-actors act because there is a there's a wonderful charm to them um yeah, I, re- I really like that. That sounded real this, condescending, uh, didn't it? Fuck that. No. He no, had, no. Anyway, no, no. It's, it's like, but it is like they have a natural, like, uh, like people who aren't trying to act, like they have a very natural presence uh, no, that yeah, I feel it's, like it's, a lot of it's, actors. Um, it's, it's like, it's the Brisson thing, right? There's something about, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Casting, casting the non-professional actors. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's something I like consistently through this movie is it does feel like a real um look at america like at a specific place at a specific area in both the sense that it's like the people look just like how when you go on a road trip the random people you run into look you know not everyone's a movie star and every location just kind of looks like shit a yeah. little bit <laughs> like yeah. it's a oh, shitty motel oh it's the terrible. rear holsters looks terrible but i've been yeah. to so many places like that before yeah, yeah. when you lie in that bed you're <laughs> like uh-oh <laughs> something <laughs> terrible happened here because <laughs> yeah. uh, so they're good. going to north carolina right i because I, I know this Somewhat was mostly bad, shot yeah. in maine and you can tell uh it's like yeah oh yes look at the the majestic pines of north carolina <laughs> Uh, yeah, location's not super important. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter because they were at the end of the movie. They're like, "Yeah, it's a three. It, we're three hundred and sixty-five miles out of Atlanta," and I'm like, "I are you? That's you're in Maine. <laughs> you're totally just in Maine. <laughs> that sign was wrong, or you're gonna like you're driving a car that's going literally three thousand miles an hour." <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, but yeah. So, um, yeah, that that whole interaction ends where um, he ends up having to pay forty extra dollars um, to the the hotel to stay or the motel. Yeah, to yep. stay. Yeah, and, and, they, and get, they get out of there right in the morning. They, they she throws them out. <laughs> throws them out. And uh, so then the next the next we get you know we get a little bit of road trip and then we get the furniture store. We get the or I don't know what the reupholster. 
yeah, well, it's yeah, not the reupholster initially. It's the whatever the fuck. It's a furniture store kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I guess it's it's like a used furniture store. Again, yeah, this facility looks terrible, and so does the <laughs> chair, which is just a piece of shit, and not what was on the eBay picture at all. This yeah, thing, it's just like disgusting. It's <laughs> yeah. You talk about a place where terrible things happened. Something <laughs> terrible happened to that puffy ass chair. Oh my god! But. One thing that's really interesting about this, right? And I, you know, something that had clicked with me this time was that you see, um, <laughs> you know, the previous scene, we've got Josh, like, you know, ripping someone off. That was what he went through all that effort to do. Yeah. And then we see the next scene of Josh getting ripped off and just being indignant. Like- oh, my God. <laughs> and that he takes the guy out back and expects that his privilege will be enough to, like, make this guy back down and the guy's just like what you're gonna stare at me because you think you're so cool or whatever okay i got a customer fuck you and he like leaves and (laughs) and this is when josh uh begins to plan his revenge uh which yeah he does in a very gross way frankly this is this is see i like i actually like that this is in the movie but it's nasty it's it, it nasty like, it is a mean this is what i mean by this on this viewing i started to see this as a much more mean-spirited movie like yeah because it's like it's not i don't know it, it it's not like um a normal being a prick it's just a little more than that you know what i mean it's yeah. a little more disgusting and so like from here on out you know this is something josh will be ca- is capable of and even though he doesn't really do anything this extreme for the rest of the movie there's well, just that well, well yeah okay he, well. he does he, there is one bit with the reupholster that we'll get to um, oh excuse me <laughs> the reupholster yeah but but like that's the thing right is that like he it's very clear that you know if given a set of circumstances he could be a richard the third or a, a dear evan hansen like he is just like this absolute sociopath yeah. who uh what he wants to be when he when someone is ripped him off or standing in his way yeah yeah and so yeah what he does is he he has uh, emily and Rhett go back out in the car and he walks around and he notices two uh, Spanish-speaking employees and asks them where they're from. And they finds out they're from Honduras and asks them if they work here. And they say no, but they are very obviously doing work. They are stacking chairs. Yeah. And it doesn't... I, I also like this about this movie. It doesn't need to milk it. You figured out what happened. It cuts to just him saying, the guy gave me $300. Right. And, and we're and sent it to a reupholster and it'll be ready first thing in the morning. Yeah, and Emily and they, even questions it and she's like, "What what do you mean he paid you $300?" He's like, "Don't even worry about it." And you're just like, "I'm kind of worried about it." <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a real sense that everyone knows what he's capable of, like a little bit. And yeah. so they all don't like it. Like they're really like I I mean, yeah, they're not gonna be able to guess off the top. It's like that he's blackmailing this person who's employing illegal, uh, you know, who's pulling undocumented migrants illegally. And if he did do that blackmailing would get them deported. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And all Jesus Christ. And for what? For a chair. Fucking chair. That's supposed to be a sentimental, cute gift for his dad. 
because his story matters more than theirs, right? He he has such main character syndrome, which is very funny in a movie where he is the main character, right? <laughs> like, that's the thing. He's right. He is the main character of this movie, but he's not a sympathetic one. And I think no. more people who think they are main characters should be like, yeah, but what story is being told? Right? Are you the protagonist of the puffy chair? Because, my friend, you're probably the protagonist of the puffy chair. Yeah, I, I like the the framing of it as him having main character syndrome, and that because that that does an interesting way of framing the whole movie. Because you're like mad at him for being the main character, almost like you don't right. want him to behave like a main character. Right. But when he does, it sucks. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He hasn't earned it, you know, because he's he's just such a he's such such a piece of shit sometimes. He also eats a nerd's rope in in the theater, <laughs> which again, talk about setting it in a time and place. I was just like I like Leo pointed at the screen going, "Nerd's rope. You can't get that anymore." <laughs> because it was it had so much sugar it almost killed children. That's not true, but it did feel that way. Have you ever had felt, nerd's rope? Yeah, I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I think you can actually still get nerd's rope. Is it around? I don't see it in stores much anymore. No. I well, I think I've run into them. I don't remember the context. I would have been eating one, but I've had one semi-recently, and I well, don't remember why. Well, Josiah, do you like licorice? <laughs> do you like licorice if it's just covered in nerds? <laughs> God, they're yeah. Those are awesome. They were. Was, I, yeah. I, I remember being in a movie theater, seeing uh, Pokemon the Movie 2000, and just hitting my friends with nerds' ropes. Um, <laughs> I was like, Lugia's on the screen on my mom's like eight more years, eight more years, eight more years. <laughs> so yeah. So Josh is eating one of those. Yep. He's eating one of those at the theater. So they, they yeah, they've gone Did to you see get the movie that they were watching. I didn't catch the movie. It doesn't, yeah. does it show it even? I, I not really. I, I, I think it was kind yeah. of a creature feature. Maybe like it kind of looked like maybe like a, like an old timey Godzilla or something. Yeah. It looks like a real shitty theater <laughs> have you been to one of those theaters have you been to one of those I, small town theaters i have i don't think i've ever been to a small I, i've been to theaters in a small town but they would be like an amc that just happened to be at a small town or something sure, like sure, sure. Not, i haven't seen like a i don't think i've ever been to like a real dingy one like that i've been to one that's exactly like that in uh, New Hampshire because I mean they shot this in Maine yeah, so those yeah. those kind of theaters are actually kind of all over the place up there uh, and uh, you can go and see Avengers Endgame on a screen that mm. is uh, slightly bigger than your TV like it is oh, okay it's a I tiny <laughs> tiny room with like two little speakers uh, like it's fine like if you want to go see an indie movie like the puffy chair I think it's actually kind of like an ideal way to do it because not only because you can see a theater that you're in on screen but it just it feels like it feels like an indie theater like you feel yeah, like yeah. the people who run the theater also perhaps made the movie that you're watching even if yeah, it is Avengers yeah. Endgame which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that little B, B movie that little <laughs> yeah Jerry Seinfeld was in an Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Do you like jazz, Josiah? <laughs> Do you like jazz? It, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should keep pretending that I don't know what you're referencing or not. Yeah, I'm referencing B movie. I'm referencing. I know. The film I know. B I know what you're. Yeah. I was. I, I see. I, I could decide. I see. <laughs> Just genuinely answering the question. Yeah, yeah, jazz is fine. What? <laughs> yeah, I know it's pretty good. I like, I like, I like the playlists on Spotify. 
I, 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 play them, <laughs> I play them when I'm making eggs in the morning. It's good. It's almost literally the most of my engagement with jazz too has been like, I've been to a jazz bar like once, once or twice. And aside from that, it's like, I occasionally have gone like, what's going on with that on the Spotify playlist? What's going I on remember, with jazz? <laughs> I remember back in my, in my dating days, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I, I used to, uh, I used to pretend that I would like going, I, I used to pretend I would know things in order to, uh, you know, go on dates and like learn about <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, if somebody on an app was like, do you like jazz music? I'd be like, I, yeah, but I don't know much about it. And then I'd go to a lot of like jazz clubs and things. That's yeah, sort of, yeah. You know, I feel like it's sort of the same thing about like being exposed to this movie and being exposed to Bright Eyes. It's just one of those things where it's like, if somebody asks you if you're interested in something, just say, unless you absolutely hate it, just say, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but yeah, it sounds cool. Sure. And then that's the best way to learn about the world. Uh, yeah, let's just being open-minded about like art in general of all t- types, I think is good. Like, yeah. well, you know, okay. I mean, I could give it a, the, you know, an example of like, um, I, I have like pretty much no connection to musical theater or real interest in it, but I love sure. your guys' show and yeah. it's made me kind of had to like reconsider that, you know, I'm like, should I, should I be getting more into it? Is it something no, worthy of, of exploring? We're forever sinking down, down, down. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want the disease that we do. No, no. <laughs> When, when when people say random things and you're just like singing song time at them. Yeah, when, when songs pop in your head like that. Yeah. That- yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a curse. But you know, you now now you can now you have like every mumblecore movie like in your head, right? Like you've absorbed them like <laughs> Doctor Strange and Avengers Infinity War. I've talked I- about Marvel too much for one podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's see. We're okay, so they're at the movie theater. That's they're where at we're the at, movies. Right. They're at the movies. And, um, you know, this is, this is, uh, yeah, at this moment, Rhett catches, catches, uh, a woman looking at him and he, yeah. he's looking at her and, and they're making eyes at each other. Yeah. And then she gets up to what seems to actually just be, she ran to the restroom, <laughs> but he took yeah. his meet me outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So here's the question. Is he, is Rhett the first person to ever like, score like like actually get a successful date out of someone that was sitting in a movie with him that he didn't know going in beforehand i know there are specific <laughs> theaters that are like uh, accommodate that sort of hookup like I, I i'm not talking about that i'm just talking about like you're going to see i don't know a garfield uh the movie <laughs> with bill murray uh a stand-up yeah. for which is seen in this movie you see garfield holding up 3d uh, glasses uh oh, in the lobby rules. Of this movie. i didn't catch that uh, but rules. yeah, like, do you ever go to see, uh, you know, Odie and Garfield get up to some <laughs> shenanigans in one of the worst movies I've ever seen and like catch eyes with someone and like, you know, and, marry yeah, them immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that's listening yeah, to this and like, that's how me and, hey, and me comment and my... below if that's you yeah. fruitless <laughs> listeners. Come on. <laughs> Let's get some engagement going. But yeah, so, so they go out and they talk and they disappear they they don't come come back he asks if she wants to get coffee and they disappear and you know right here we're seeing this the tension with emily and josh's relationship because right off the bat the reactions to this are different 
Right. Because yeah. Emily is clearly starved for some form of affection and romance in her life. Right. And so she's like, this is super sweet, even though it screams every red flag ever. Oh, but she absolutely. just needs it. You know, she needs this little romance to be invested in. Yeah. And, um, you know, on the flip side, like Josh is, I think, rightly interpreting the situation, but being a callous prick about it. <laughs> right. Right. It's You're watching me like, oh, you're right. But stop being right. I don't like it when yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't right. like it when you're right. <laughs> I mean, look, she was at the movies by herself, this woman uh, that Rhett goes home mm-hmm. with. And, you know, I was expecting this, you know, I, again, I didn't remember large chunks of this movie besides the, the chair going yeah. up. So I knew that Rhett lived, but I didn't remember the specifics of what happens, you know, when they eventually find him. Um, because mm-hmm. this is a great little detail. Rhett doesn't know uh, Josh's cell phone number, so there's no way for him to get in contact. He's just like, he's lost. And I forget that, yeah, that's how that worked. You would just be lost. Uh, and they do eventually find him because the manager of the hotel, I guess, tells them where she lives. Yeah, that that was a bit sketchy on like how that was exactly explained but whatever yeah, okay. they There's figured a small it out town, sure it's um, yeah i'm they sure go back they to could, house that and they're just slow dancing and then it's just like they walk in it's like hey want a party and they're like we're gonna get fucking married and you're like oh no oh no and but josh seems like weirdly on board with it at first he's like well we gotta have a fucking party then it's an engagement party and things seem okay for a while it seems like it's it's actually a very lovely evening and like i don't know i could kind of imagine in the moment going with the flow on this where i'm like this is my eccentric brother you know yeah and yeah, maybe they're. I even understand Josh not thinking it's going to work out, but still rolling with it because it's like, yeah, maybe it's not going to work out, but it seems like it's making him really happy right now. And like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I see it. I see, I see rolling with this, uh, even though it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, he. I mean, first of all, Josh is not a justice of the peace, so there's no way that this uh, marriage would hold up in any sort of court. Um, but they do insist on being like married right now, and. Josh has this moment where he's just saying like, uh, and I'll never make you change no matter what. And you're just like, oh boy. But she recites it back as if it were like an actual wedding vow. And I was very moved by that performance. Like it felt. No, the, the whole scene is really, it's it's actually really nice is yeah, yeah. he's kind of improving these vows, but they're not like, you know, they're, they're, they're not bad sentiments inherently. Although, you know, occasionally he says something you can tell it's like, Oh, that's about something that you've been sitting on and annoyed about. But also, yeah, you also get some, you know, what, what is setting up for the dark joke of this whole thing. It's not that dark, but you know, the joke of this whole thing, right. Right. Is that red is like, uh, yeah, I'll love you even through the bad times, even though there'll never be any bad times. Like he like throws yeah. that shit in and he's like, yeah. oh, there won't ever be anything bad. Things are going to be good. Yeah. Like, it, it, like no one understands marriage. I think maybe outside of Emily and even that's a little, tenuous. a little shaky. That's yeah. a little shaky, but like, it's very clear that Josh and Rhett do not understand it. Amber is not given her name is Amber, by the way. I had to look that up. Um, uh, she is not, uh, given enough time to like for us to know pretty much anything about her other than she likes watching movies and getting married immediately like there's no (laughs) there's not really a whole lot else there no yeah that's that's a little unfortunate maybe a little more from that would have been a little more from amber would have been good i don't know i think it would have turned us too much against Rhett. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. We don't really feel anything for the loss of Amber 
uh, you know. Yeah. Well, there's a feel with the whole interaction that this feels like. I mean, it never says that they're they're on anything, but it feels like they just like dropped Molly or something, and they're just having yeah. a weird night. And then they're yeah. gonna get to the morning, and it's gonna be weird. Like that's what. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? It feels like the kind of really weird, intimate moment you might end up with. I don't know, drinking together or something with some friends, and and then oh, sure. you end up like, I. So like, yeah, yeah. Or all I, the people I, you I promised. Kinda, are gonna, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say is I do kind of understand Amber not getting elaborated on, though, because that also yeah. kind of feels like the way that night would go is, yeah. you know, we're all like stoned or something and yeah. get through the evening. And it's like, who was that again? <laughs> I met last night. I, you know, the woman you married. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right too. It would have, it would have turned us on Rhett because if she'd had like some sad Mac story that came out or something like that, you'd be like, good Lord, Rhett, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, truly, truly. And he kind of has to be like the engine of change in this thing in a way that I feel like any more about Amber would have, would have spoiled that. Um, that we get a lovely song from Mark Duplass as well. We get him, we get Josh singing a little tune that just sounds like, like, random words he pulled out of a hat like he's james joyce yeah. writing finnegan's wake except yeah, it's it awesome. a little song on a melodica um or it's not a melodica what is it it's like it's like a tiny little oh yeah the the key yeah yeah i know what keyboard, you're talking about but it's like a child's keyboard it's like a little toy piano yeah yeah oh my god it's a toy piano it's a child's toy it's just another oh it's just more of the holy it's just shit more of the fucking callback of them not being able to let go of their childhood and it's nonsense words like a song a child would make up <laughs> Oh my god! I I was thinking more just like like an indie rock song, but sure, yeah, like a yeah, child would perform. Like I sure. said, like a child would. <laughs> no, I've already burned the Krasinski bridge. I I, yeah, yeah. I I cannot burn my indie my indie crowd. This is this great. is gonna be great because a year from now we'll like do an episode on like some big indie album because you yeah. have to apologize. Yeah, listen, I have to apologize to the indie community. Yeah, we're, we're talking about this umbrists this this week. <laughs> My name uh, is yeah, Leslie yeah. and Levine. Uh, I can't do an impression of him. I wish I could. My, 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 I have a friend who's yeah. a perfect Decemberist uh, guy impression. Oh, and that's it is, awesome. It's really great. I make him I make him sing like Black Sabbath as the Decemberist sky, and it's really Oh, lovely. that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my um, God. But, yeah, they get into but, a big fight now, right? This is the big fight scene? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, well, it, it, it begins. Yeah, yeah. It starts to lean that like lead to that. It'll be the big fight after this. But there's this one brutal thing with the song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think is like, yeah, yeah. I, I, man, I've, I've had an in- interactions like this where mm. it's like he, he's expressing himself and then she is then though hurt that he hasn't expressed himself prior to this moment. So her first reaction instead of, I really liked that song is why didn't you show me that before? But then he reacts yeah. to that poorly, and it's just like <laughs> it just builds God and snowballs it. and snowballs. God damn it! It's yeah. really like the just them being a bad match because it's like even when you know when he is doing kind of actually expressing himself a little bit, she's yeah. just been hurt too long, and so she yeah. just is thinking, "Well, why didn't you do this earlier?" <laughs> yeah, you idiot! This is what I was talking about, you stupid fuck! And it's just like, no, but like I'm trying to. But be now what I just you want, did it. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, oh. again, it is it is that thing that it's not it's not judging anyone too harshly. It is really just trying no. to take this sort of very objective view of their relationship. Um and you know, 
I, I also think the insistence on having Josh and Whitey tidies for the entire film is just such a <laughs> is just such a bold and interesting choice because you look at that you look at this guy and you're like, oh, hundred percent. That man that man has never known life without his balls being constricted. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's also <laughs> I'm now realizing again it's what kids wear. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you know it it, it wow. Yeah, He's it a is. Kid. He he looks like Winnie the Pooh. Like he looks like a a, a child uh, <laughs> running in to watch yeah. Saturday morning cartoons during this entire fight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, the the big fight is yeah. They talk about it later at the motel or hotel, whatever they've got. This one at this seems point. like a nicer hotel. Like he this he, seems he like a hotel yeah. on this one. But then he had the money too, I guess, because he extorted that poor upholsterman, uh, <laughs> that furniture guy. Yeah, and um, you know they. They have this kind of she, she asks if he wants to even be in a relationship and he is both right, but also dodging a question because it's hard right in saying we shouldn't be talking about this right now. But also it's not yeah. just that, you know, he just wants to yeah. not talk about the hard thing. Yeah. He's also not yeah. sleepy. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not near sleep. The The excuse no. that he had last time isn't really there because they're still no, pretty up no. from the whole wedding thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. I think that is a very appropriate time to talk if, if you're going to talk late at night, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, also it could be tense. And so they, you know, they, they finally, like kind of talk it, they they seem to be talking it out, um, you know, and and get some hurt out. And she says, like, I would marry you right now if you asked, and I don't feel like you feel the way for me. Then she cries, and they're hugging, and it kind of feels like, well, maybe they're about to resolve it. And then yeah. she says, I deserve better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, and then he's, and then he asks the question, which is the question, which is, why do you want to marry me? If you think you deserve better. Yeah, like, like, that's me. I'm the thing you you have, so you deserve better than me. And she can't answer him. She doesn't Mm -hmm. have an answer as to why she wants to marry him. It's just a thing that I think that she thinks she has to do in that very childlike way that our society sort of programs women into thinking you have Mm -hmm. to get married. Right. Like that, that should be mm-hmm. an aspirational thing. You should be planning your wedding when you're like five or six years old. Right. Your dream. Yeah. Like, whatever. yeah. And this really is you cheering on wanting them to break up at this moment, too, because I think for her, that would be a liberation also is a liberation because what she yeah. she does deserve better. It's, it's a weird scene in this movie because I empathize with Josh more. Because I sure. think I've been the Josh in more often in past situations, but I think Emily's more in the right. I think she does deserve better. It's you yeah. know, what I mean? like, but that's such a difficult balancing act. Act and yeah. for a thing that looks like it was shot by Neil Breen. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you look right, at right, this, right. you look at this movie, and you're just like, there is so much like intelligent shit going on in the storytelling and in the and in like the filmmaking in just very subtle ways. But it, like, it looks like your dad shot it on a family vacation in 1997. <laughs> it's a magic. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. This it's is so like, funny. This Even talking what... through this conversation, like I feel like I've grown to love this movie. I've, I know. I, I feel like the, yeah, more. It's, it's yeah, yeah. A movie which has the worst title I've ever heard in my life. The, <laughs> the puffy chair. chair. What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Oh. This is this is also like this is kind of a problem of Bumblecore is I feel like there are just a few real great gems in that genre, yeah. but they look the same as the shitty ones. 
Yeah. In like the, how they like, you know, market themselves, their posters, their titles, etc. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like you have to go through them to find the good ones. Like like one of the better ones is um not to get too far off topic, but is uh Lynn sure. Shelton's Hump Day. Um, oh, I, I don't know that which, one. I, I think I've seen the poster though, actually. Exactly. Weirdly. And yes, and that poster does not look promising. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's gonna be a, a a gay panic, no homo pro movie. Yeah. And it like kinda is, but it's really not. <laughs> it's like a real good interrogation of like two two guys' masculinity. Like it's pretty solid. No homo and complimentary it, in parentheses. <laughs> it's yeah anyway that's that's a that would maybe be another another episode oh. i should do at some point oh, I really, absolutely, I you like absolutely should. i mean the poster yeah. for the puffy chair looks like it's a rejected one for ned's declassified <laughs> school survival guide like it's just it's just sharpie like on a white background oh, it all looks, it's missing it is rough. the lines yeah and it's just a picture of the titular chair which to be fair looks looks pretty puffy it's a, it looks pretty puffy that's a, that is a, <laughs> there it, that's a puffy chair um but uh, yeah yeah it makes the movie kind of a pleasant surprise though because i mean yeah. if once you do choose to watch it but yeah uh yeah okay where are we in the movie because yeah I don't we are wanna... now at the point where they um they, they they're going back like the fight the diner it's the diner the next the morning. diner that's yeah. right yeah so they've they've had the fight um and you know josh josh i think like sleeps in the car is implied or whatever but yeah so they're yeah. silently eating at the diner and bad energies um and yeah. i i've been ret in this situation a number of times also where you've when you sit down at a booth and you're like something happened here <laughs> you sit down and you sit down and you just hear a voice in the back of your head you've activated my trap card and you're like pot of greed no uh but it, yeah it's, it's it's horrible it's horrible going coming into those situations and um but what's also funny about it is of course red is coming in alone so you know, okay, something's up, right? And yeah. yeah, he goes ahead and he says, you know, like Emily asks, where's Amber? And he says, like, it just wasn't meant to be, man. It just wasn't meant to be. And then his explanation for why they broke up is incoherent, but it is basically, she just got really sad, man. Yeah, she started crying. <laughs> I'm not about that. <laughs> tears, uh, tears stay on the inside. No, thank you. See, like when I when I watched this the first time, I was more like I was so sucked into the relationship stuff that I was like, "Oh, this is heartbreaking for Emily to now hear." Like, even though we knew this was going to happen, I was like more thinking of that. This time, it was really funny. Like, oh him sure, exp- him explaining it because it's the most like you knew it was coming, <laughs> and his explanation just barely makes any sense. I, right. I- but I mean, the other thing about it too is we never see Amber's side of this whole thing. But I, yeah. it does sound like vaguely like they came to this agreement together. Like it was like yeah, she started crying, yeah. and then they were like, "Wait, what are we doing?" And this then is what I mean by it being incoherent it. because it, yeah. it's either he dumped her because she cried and he wasn't about that, right. or or they both like came down from the high of having a really weird day the previous day and were like. Um. Yeah, I don't think this is right. You that know? escalated like, way too quickly, and this needs uh, a pleasure seeing you. What a weird time we had. Uh, yeah, yeah it's it yeah. is unclear about that, but you know, to Emily, it is like people can't break up. That's just not a thing that people yeah. can do, right? It's like 
you 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 made a mockery of marriage the thing that i am apparently like mm-hmm. all about that's and, my thing yeah yeah you can also see like fucking josh simmering in the corner and he's dying to say i told you so but he can't but you yeah. see it in his eyes like uh. again mark Duplass, what a performer you see the i mean i know my brother you know yeah oh, it's yeah. so good and he can't say it because he can't say it in front of Rhett, right like they, they cannot have no, this fight in no front of him. but you can see him yeah that smugness is just there like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, those bad, those bad vibes, they continue. They, 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 they continue the entire. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Three thousand miles to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, the three thousand miles driving in a circle around Maine. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> Till they land at the Duplass's actual house. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but but it's but, not, it's funny that Rhett gets to like sit in the puffy chair, right? He yeah. gets his little throne in the back. That that visual really got me. It's it's really good. It's it's also yeah. It's just so funny. The um, chair almost doesn't fit in the car, and you're just like this. I mean, if they get in a car accident, he's dead. He's like <laughs> gone immediately. Yeah. So they they go to pick up the chair, um, and uh, the reupholster. <laughs> Right. Oh, uh, right. has locked. <laughs> this oh, is shit. this is the most vivid scene in my head when I thought like prior to this rewatch when I thought of the movie. This is the scene I thought of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because because it, it was the scene I laughed the hardest at, and it is the second also the scene I laughed the hardest at. I think this time oh, cool, he's cool, cool. such a fucking prick. He <laughs> is. He is. Like we see Rhett try to get the upholstery back, and we just hear a guy from the other side of the door going, "Go away, come back tomorrow." And then he just stops answering. Rhett gives up, goes back, and gets Josh. And Josh is like, "I'll fucking take care of this. I'm the main fucking character." And he he drives the van in and just lays on the horn until the guy opens it and goes and starts like really aggressively like just like yelling at this guy and you see the guy be scared of him yeah yeah that kind of sobers josh up a bit yeah yeah when you frame it that way i feel real bad about laughing at the scene holy shit (laughs) no 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 no. right you you should laugh at it because i i think you should laugh at it because the uh because josh he's not deterred from this right he sees him and then he just kind of like he quiets down but he's no less threatening right he's like yeah i'm gonna sit in my car i'm gonna watch you reupholster this and he goes and sits in his van and he watches him and it's like this son of a bitch like i that that this was the point of no return for me on josh was just like yeah this old man did nothing to you he yeah this guy's a monster chairs yeah yeah yeah, this this or this the yeah, Josh is a monster to yes, clarify. Yes. I'm not randomly calling the old man at all. No, no, monster. the old man. But, uh, here's the thing, just off screen, just a pile of skeletons. This guy monster. He's been hiding the bodies in the chairs the whole time. That's why it takes him so long. The thing about the thing about this is he's got like these a uh, handful of these couple scenes where he's intimidating people in various ways, like fucking with people. And what I, I kind of realize is it is almost a character growth in a bad way. He's, he's getting bad. better at it. He's getting better at fucking with people. Yeah. Well, they tried to tell you with the tidy whities He is Walter White. Yeah. There you go. This would have predate, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, by yeah, yeah. by a significant like, margin, I'm pretty well, sure. Yeah. When, no, because that that first Breaking Bad season is like earlier than I always think. Vince when, Gilligan, huge Duplass Brothers fan, <laughs> yeah. loves the puffy chair. 
Yeah, yeah, 2008. I'm not crazy. Only three years. Only three, three years. years I, after yeah. This. Th- okay. So that that isn't too too much time. Uh, originally, Walt was going to smuggle all of his meth in Lazy Boys. That was yeah. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I I'd like to see a a Duplass uh, directed <laughs> Breaking Bad. Oh it's, man! It's just like lots of conversations that don't go anywhere. <laughs> I, I know they've I know they've done a lot of TV. I just I it, what's weird is it's always seen, been on like yeah. cable packages I don't have, so I haven't really yeah. caught a lot of it. Uh, but I do it, want to. I think they're very good. Yeah, I mean, it it looks funny. They have this this you know that tragic comic kind of thing that I I think I just inherently find incredibly funny. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so it seems up my alley, television-wise. Yeah, but um, we'll cut. We'll do. We'll do a special series where we just we do a rewatch of a show we haven't seen. Uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's what people want, right? That's what we want for podcasts: is two people being like, "Well, neither of us have seen this, so uh, <laughs> I guess let's just do it." Yeah, basing this off like Wikipedia synopses. And- oh hell yeah, dude! Oh hell yeah! <laughs> it's perfect. No, so so they he gets he gets the chair and they are driving back and as you mentioned, Rhett is sitting in it and and Rhett senses there's some bad vibes. <laughs> He's a good vibe checker, Rhett. Yeah, but the but this is the this actually this whole thing captures Rhett perfectly. Is mm-hmm. that he's both really good at reading the emotions in the air, but he's a fucking moron about what we need to do about it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. His thought process is is not necessarily like he wants to get people talking, but it isn't like, oh, there's a bad energy we've been fighting. We need to talk some stuff out. It's right. because Josh used unethical means to get this chair. We yeah. must destroy the chair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's not one for finesse. He is a hammer of a character. And I, I really I, I find that very charming about him. I find that he knows exactly too. who he is and what he wants and he's able to go after it because he doesn't know any better, right? Like he mm-hmm. is he, he knows that this chair is evil and has pinpointed that all of like the trouble of the movie <laughs> is like metaphorically entombed inside this suede, right? But he doesn't know yeah. how to like articulate that he just knows that the vibes are bad so he lights the chair on fucking fire and it's <laughs> glorious it's so great yeah so they yeah they stay at a, a motel or hotel or whatever they, they yeah. stay somewhere and yeah. while they're doing that uh yeah Rhett sneaks out he pours gasoline all over uh or lighter fluid or whatever it's on all over the the chair yeah. lights it on fire uh josh runs out just in time to see it tackles tackles his brother and emily comes out and screams and it's it's just an incredibly funny i love the guy sequence. i love the hotel oh, owner the, the who guy. just like runs out like he, he runs out with a with a fire extinguisher fire and blows on it but he but he doesn't look he doesn't look like panicked he's just kind of like oh i gotta do this they're gonna be so mad at me if i don't put out this fire uh, when, when i when i worked at a, a coffee shop in des moines i had this time where this guy came up to me at the counter and he was just incredibly calm but he was kind of like tapping like urgently and i'm like hey what's up and he goes yeah man could i could i get a fire extinguisher or 
or some water or something. And I look up and behind him in the glass windows, I can see his car is on fire. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to trouble you. Uh, I know you're very busy, yeah, um, but would something you happen is happening. <laughs> to have some sort of flame res- uh, suppressant? Uh, oh, that oh is, there it goes. There was like two or three times at that job that just like cars caught on fire outside. I don't know why. That... Was your parking lot particularly hot? What was going on in Des Moines? No, like the I, I don't know. <laughs> there was, there's nothing causing it. It seems it just happened more than once. I. Wow, wow. Oh, that's great. Were you able? Was he able to put the fire out? Like yeah, yeah. He was the able car to, didn't yeah. blow up or anything. No, no, no. Okay. It, it it nothing is. None of them ever exploded, but it, it happened. Yeah, like wow, I wow, think wow. at least at least two times, maybe three times. I'm I'm blurring them together in my head. Now. That's good quality American <laughs> engineering, right there. That's, That's uh, right. Um, okay, wait, wait, wait. So so he set it on fire. Yeah, and uh, we put it out with the fire extinguisher. It's been put fire out. extinguisher. It's out, and so then they decide. Well, let's just finish the road trip anyway. Yeah. And they they go to the parents' place. Um, like yeah. they, they kind of there's less anger than you would expect in that whole scene because like Josh tackles yeah. you know tackles Rhett initially, but then after a minute he apologizes for it. Yeah, and the largest arm cast you've ever seen is put on Mark Duplass, uh, full yeah. up the arm yellow cast, uh, and uh, they go to Atlanta and they meet the literal. Mr. and Mrs. Duplass, they meet his parents uh, who play uh, Josh's parents. Yeah, and and the really normal. So, so this is a this is an interesting thing that um, Matt uh, Matthew Chrisman pointed out on Letterbox that I, I was thinking about with sure, this. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um, you know throughout the movie the chair kind of feels like it's supposed to represent yeah they're like childhood you know that nostalgia that they're holding on to whatever they're upbringing yeah. and because of you know like like what it becomes as a totem like in the movie it like you expect it to eventually represent that they have a fucked up family that's kind yeah. of why Rhett and Josh are the way they are right and you know that that they had to burn their childhood set themselves free from that you know like that seems like that's what the metaphor is but yeah. no no the family's really normal. And yeah. I, I actually like that because uh, as yeah, Matt Chrisman is quoting someone else, but what he writes is people's shit is at some point their own. And even if we are fucked up by our folks, as Philip Larkin wrote, it's rarely clear just how they went about doing so. I, I think that's a good way of reading it is like, yeah. actually the parents being normal suddenly pushes the personal responsibility back on them. It's like, yeah. no, you aren't this way just cause you have a dick dad or something. Actually, your dad's really nice. Yeah. You're just cool. being a dick. And he gives, <laughs> and he gives like a, probably the best advice in the whole movie, which is, you know, yeah. Josh is like, should I commit to this or not? And he's like, uh, you know, everything about your relationship that you are ever going to know. So you got to make the decision now. Like, it's never going to get clear. You're waiting for life to, like, go one way or the other to, like, something really bad happens or something really good happens that will make the decision for you. But that's just not going to happen. You have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then he doesn't. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. See, I love it because that is, like, a really moving scene. And also, at that moment, you are kind of... I don't know with with how things have gone you kind of are starting to get the impression they are going to be together still. And like his advice is going to be like, "Oh, maybe I should, you know, stand up and finally marry her." Like that seems like that's what his takeaway is going to be. Yeah. And they 
and then we come to the final scene which like was incredibly emotional for me the first time i watched it and this time i found actually really funny and i'll have to wow, like give my okay. case for this yeah. i don't know how to explain how uncontrollably i laughed at a couple scenes we'll, we'll get to it like to what happens but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. those they they meet in the park and yeah you're like this is gonna be the moment that he finally uses his finally dad's advice the question. yeah yeah or something and um they they don't he's just like they're just kind of awkwardly like yeah been thinking a lot and she finally goes well what have you got and he goes i've got nothing and then he this is what got me is he says just the most incoherent sentence i wish i'd written it down verbatim because it's just him like going like got nothing i'm confused I got about 50 million fucking thoughts and strategies about how some shit is, and I don't fucking know shit. (laughs) And then the camera put hands to her, and she goes, I think um, that we should break up. We should break up. Yeah. And again, that scene was really emotional to me the first time I saw it. I died laughing at that. Because it was just her, like, you're a dumbass. You're st- I, I, she does deserve better, and you see it fully in that moment. God. Uh, and it's one of those things that, like, it, it is sort of... What I really love about it, too, is, like, after the whole... Uh, he's just like, is that what you really want, or is that just because that's what you think I want? And yeah. she's just like, I just think we should break up. And they hug... They hug each other and they cry into each other. And I feel like that that feels to me the most like a breakup. Most movie breakups are like yeah. things are thrown and I'm leaving and, you know, they slam the door. But I found that pretty much every major relationship that I had that ended ended with that, with a I think we should break up, hug, wishing you hug, well yeah. on your way. And they go, you know, it's not yeah, saying that that, that that kind of breakup doesn't happen in real life, but it's so rare to see this particular kind of one portrayed on screen yeah um one thing i don't know if i'm projecting onto it or not is the hug goes on a little long right yeah and it kind of looks like there's a second josh goes okay and it kind of seems like he's trying to pull away and she's and i don't know if i'm projecting onto that wow yeah yeah, and, but that and that was one of those things where I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or if not, because to me, I found that funny where it's like he can't even have this moment. He can't not eventually be like, OK, OK, we're done hugging now. Like he, he can't just have this moment with her, even this. Yeah, no, I, I keep thinking about that incoherent <laughs> sentence that you said earlier. Because it's the first time that he's not borrowing something, right? <laughs> and it makes no sense. And it's nonsense. <laughs> because he's just so emotionally stunted that he can't even form yeah. a coherent thought about what he's feeling. And when he tries to, it sounds like he's having a stroke. <laughs> or that he's James Joyce writing Finnegan's... I've been reading Finnegan's right. Wake. So <laughs> I have it on the mind. You, I, you, you have a beef with Finnegan's Wake, eh? I do! Oh, 
Okay, here's a here's a question. Do you want to read a book that's just a bunch of crossword answers stapled together <laughs> haphazardly? Then enjoy Finnegan's fucking wake. I'm coming I, for you, Joyce. You- I haven't read it. I, I so I can't. I I want to defend it, but I haven't read it, so I don't know why. I oh no! I just it. got a news alert that John Krasinski is adapting Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> I'm gonna burn that movie to the ground. That's a lie. That is a lie. Uh, oh man, you John, freaked me out. For no, a I'm sorry. No, no, John Krasinski can't read. So uh, <laughs> that's untrue. Book. He can read. No, he, he can read, read the Tom book Clancy that he stole. books. He can read Tom Clancy books, and he can read the book that he stole from. Uh, allegedly, he did settle out of court. Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, God, that's, that's the puffy chair. That's the puffy chair. And yeah, I don't what know if film. I'm projecting onto that like last sentence, that last scene, but like to me, I that's why it felt really cynical this time. In a way, it didn't. It was like this guy yeah. just is so incapable of like having any emotional connection. But yeah, I think it like this movie is really smart in how it explores this shit. Oh, and yeah. I think this was a good uh, defensive mumblecore movie. I think. Yeah. This is definitely definitely one I would defend to my friends that we could watch. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I I feel like, you know, as we, I think we talked about, um, and we will talk about uh, uh, more the squid and the whale. uh, Yeah. uh, When, when when you, when you come on uh, fancy movie time uh, to talk about Francis, ha, Uh, but the, yeah, that movie is not one I can like, like entirely recommend to people just because it, it makes me so uncomfy. This is not like that. That movie is like I, I cave in on myself like a dying star because I, I it's like yeah. it's so caustic. And this one feels less to me somehow because it does achieve that yeah. magic trick of being sentimental while also being just deeply, darkly funny. Yeah. That that being said, I think I do I, I do really like the puffy chair. I think I like the squid the whale more. I think I like mm. more acidic stuff than you. Sure, that's fair. <laughs> I think that's I think I'm a little fair. I'm a little more mean spirited. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean I, I think I think I used to uh, that's also a thing that I, I also really liked, you know, back mm. in the day. You know, I, I feel like as as yeah, I've I mean, gotten yeah. older, uh, in my, in my age, uh, I do feel like I, I I gravitate towards stuff that is more um, sentimental. But I've always been kind of a sap, you know. I I think yeah. I think the tricks just work on me in a way because I I approach everything like I am uh, I am like a an ingenue in in in, in, <laughs> in a. I was going to make a musical reference, but I don't want to inflict that upon you. Uh, that that I, I come into everything sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because I'm just, I want to get on movies' wavelengths and sort of follow the flow with them. Yeah, and, yeah. And and this one, this one is so interesting because no matter what your wavelength, you're going to find something cool in it. If you're a sentimentalist, you're going to be like, oh, what a tragic love story. And there were yeah, some really yeah. heartfelt moments. And these were just two people who didn't work out. And if you're, you know, uh, a caustic, uh, uh, someone who, <laughs> who that, that that sounds mean, like, like if you're somebody that, 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 that enjoys more acidic stuff, yeah. like you're going to be the sicko pressing himself against the glass going, hi, yeah, break up in a park. <laughs> yeah 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 no i i think it's it's both and i mean i have that sentimental aspect from to me too also but like but yeah yeah, i mean i think that this in this movie balances that i think yeah yeah 
in a really remarkable like way. I did not think we would have such a wonderful conversation about a movie that I thought was terrible when I was 16. And here we are. I I, I feel and, like until this movie really it. profound. Yeah. Yeah. Until rewatching it last night, I was still like, this was mostly, it was mostly just kind of a funny idea based off that little interaction last year and just building off that. It's like, oh, that's a movie. This will be easy. But like, not after doing it, I was like, this is a really good movie. <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck? I I underrated how good it was. I think. Yeah, the the A.O. Scott review also was just like these characters don't ever look at anything outside of themselves, and the movie would be more profound if they mm-hmm. were to do that. And I was like, I don't know. I think this was just like maybe it's just because ever since this movie, because the puppy chair feels very like instrumental in like the shaping of how movies would happen further on down the line i think it was yeah, just because yeah. it was in that 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 combination of that 2005 year you said right Where well all and the we didn't even we didn't even talk about but like they were really or like one of the first movies netflix uh bought as in distributed and so yeah. that was like part of their early success and like yeah so it really be and i mean now that is you netflix is most of a lot of movies now <laughs> right right and then no one and they're they're instantly gone like they're on netflix and then mm. no one ever hears about them again you can't even watch this on american netflix anymore it says which it is said, insane it said netflix presents and i'm like does really? it <laughs> like because i'm watching this on freebie <laughs> yeah there's ads every 20 minutes does it ruin the pacing i mean actually really not really because it is a no. vignette movie and they've placed the ads to happen with in the between vignettes, vignettes pretty nicely yeah it's really it's really quite something um but yeah no i i feel like I feel like the movie would be less if it focused on things outside these characters because it would try and yeah. be about something more than it is. And it's just, it's so perfectly its own thing. And, and these characters are all to some degree or another narcissistic. And so right. I think, a, I think most mumblecore movies um, end up being about narcissistic young adults. Sure. Most of the time. Right. And, but, but like, I think that what differentiates in my head a good versus a bad mumblecore movie, at least of the ones that are about like this kind of narcissistic young adult thing, is if you tell me as a criticism, uh, it's just all the characters are so narcissistic. Do I agree with you or do I go, well, no, that's the point. And a good one is the one where I go, oh, no, that's the point, though. Yeah. As like, I think it fits that that's what the movie's trying to explore is that this person is a narcissistic prick. That's yeah. constant, the pretentious person or something like that, rather than ones where it's like, yeah, the characters, they want me to like the characters and they're also narcissists. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, right. I mean, it, again, I also feel a lot of those things about the genre. Like I sort of fell into the trap of mm-hmm. like mumblecore is just a bunch of a very annoying people uh, mumbling under their breath for a while. And, yeah. you know, no plot, loose just really like, lazy filmmaking yeah stuff like, like that yeah in 90 minutes but turgid and just like long and this one like it really flies by and it really just is like a bunch of like snapshots of like it feels like watching a vacation video that your dad took of a of like a of like a road trip to somewhere that you remember being very fraught at the time. Yeah. And then you go back and you watch it, but most of the video is just very happy memories. And then every once in a while, you just get this, like you get like a, a, a bit of dialogue that like indicates all the fraughtness happening just off camera. That's yeah. what this feels like. Like you found somebody else's vacation video and you're just witnessing the demise of their relationship. And it's, it's so effective. Yeah. Like it's not that it is, 
is it is mumblecore. It's because this story needed to be told in this particular way, or it wouldn't have worked. I don't think this movie would work if it was with like nice cameras and shit. I actually no! think the home video feel is really adds a lot to it. Like, yeah, but but also that the home video doesn't become a gimmick. Like, it's not a found footage thing or something like mm-hmm. that. It's not like the yeah. camera becomes part of it, but it's yeah. just shot like that. It just looks like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a wonderful shot in the scene where they're watching the lizard where uh, I think Rhett is is in profile facing the TV and Josh is right behind him. And the way they're framed, it looks like a fucking painting, but it has that sort of like gradation over it. So it's still yeah. like you're very much aware that you're watching like a documentary style, like handheld camera or whatever. Mm. But like the shot is composited in such a way where you're just like... Like, if they had actual cameras, Mm. this would also look nice, but it wouldn't feel as visceral as this. Like, you wouldn't see the grain in their pupils. Yeah, he does, like, pretty good blocking and stuff like that. And so, like, even though, so, like... Yeah, it's it's well cut, well ed- like well edited. The you know the the camera angles are solid. They they all are really good. But also that shitty yeah video, I think adds a quality to it. And so it's it's a cool thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it it captures a lot of like um like okay like Lars von Trier was really influential on a lot of the mumblecore guys. But like oh, Joe Swanberg sure. wants to be like Lars von Trier. And actually I think by these guys being less like Lars von Trier, they actually catch the little good nuances of his style better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to talk about uh unerotic and leering. Uh, oh. Lars. <laughs> oh Oof. man. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, I bet a... that's complimentary that, that uh, for Lars, yeah. it's sort of in, in parentheses, complimentary unerotic yeah, well, and leering. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to see yeah one of the most graphic sex scenes you've ever seen, and it will be the least horny thing. Yeah, it's sort of like, have you ever seen Before the Devil Knows You're Dead? No, I have I did not see that. The opening shot of that movie is a black screen with the credits, and you just hear the slapping of skin on skin. And then <laughs> the first thing you see is Philip Seymour Hoffman fucking this woman from behind. And just the slapping of their skin together. And again, this is also a movie I watched with my parents. And uh, that's the first one. And I felt the entire room tense up all at once. But nobody moved. And it's just like, okay, I guess we're going to watch the whole film. Just squeeze in our buttholes. (laughs) Praying, praying it's only 90 minutes. Because we cannot sustain this body tension. Oh man, yeah. I don't think you'd actually said this on this that you'd see the squid and the whale with your parents for I the first sure time. Did. That is I sh- a- awful. Yeah. <laughs> one of, okay. So for listeners, one of the main plot points of Squid and the Whale is that the kid is coming in library books. Like he's he's master like the 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 young boy is yeah. masturbating into library books. And I was watching that movie with my parents, and I was just like, oh god, what if they find all the places that I've come? <laughs> <laughs> What if just, this is the clue that finally I, has them crack the case that I am masturbating? I just couldn't think of a worse movie to watch with the parents because you have that with the kid. And then most of the movie is like really intense fights between two middle-aged parents. Yeah, it's just a divorce in, in a movie. really, you know, in a really good way, similar to this movie where it captures little nuances that I bet watching it with a partner might be a bad thing (laughs) oh yeah everyone watch the puffy chair don't watch it if you're in like that stage of the relationship where you're like "Uh uh-oh like don't do that because this movie will break you up (laughs) or honestly if you want to rip off the band-aid throw on the puffy chair (laughs) 
Let's get you out of that bad relationship. You, you, you like Emily deserve better. You deserve. Uh, well, I think I think that's the movie. I think we've done it. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up here is, of course, if people enjoyed this conversation, this yeah. is a this is a crossover event. Yeah, uh, yeah, with a uh, with a uh, fancy movie time, the worst yes. of all possible worlds show uh, yes. behind the Patreon, which will hopefully be out by the time this episode drops i am a slow editor so i will i will do my darndest uh, <laughs> i'm also started i just started rehearsals for a play so i my time is limited but yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk we'll about francis ha we've spent brian and i spent the last two fancy movie times doing surrealists uh we yeah did, um we did the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and the exterminating angel as a double feature in december uh and i did not care for the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie uh <laughs> Did care for the exterminating angel. Thought that was thought that ruled. I, Speaking of caustic Boone, movies, yeah, I'm not a huge Boonwell fan either. Maybe yeah. I need to just try more. But I yeah. think I think the more abstract he is, the more I like him. Uh, when he oh, tries to like get a plot in there, I feel like it's a little bit worse. I feel it kind of constrains him, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and then we watched we watched the Holy Mountain. Yeah, you watched the Holy Mountain. <laughs> Jesus Christ! N- uh, neither of us particularly cared for that one. Uh, what do you think about Holy Mountain? You a fan? You I actually have never seen it. I've okay, never seen don't, it. Don't. So you don't have to uh, look up screenshots. Honestly, that that feels fine. A lot less nude children. Uh, Jesus. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. And now we're moving towards. We, we were like, we have to get away from the surrealists at least for a little while. What's the polar opposite of that? And then Josiah, you had reached out about talking about the puffy chair, and I was like, let's get Josiah on, and we'll do some more mumblecore. We'll do Francis we'll do some Ha. Yeah, and Matt Francis Ha is like probably the most successful mumblecore movie and one yeah. of the ones I haven't seen. Oh, and so cool. that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah. yeah Cause you've watched most of other bomb stuff, right? Like Barbie. Well, yes, the, this, this in the last month. So fun, fun. I'll say this again when we, uh, when we record. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, bomb box, a blind spot for me was a blind spot for me. And so then I was like, you know what? I bet I could watch all of Noah Baumbach's movies before we record. No. And I did. You did? <laughs> I did. Oh, my God. You did more homework than me. Oh, <laughs> That's no. Fine. Well, what? it was also it was two birds with one stone because it was an embarrassing blind spot to me. He's a huge director and I hadn't seen like any of his movies. So. Right. Uh, do you yeah. feel like having now seen a lot of his movies? I'll ask you this uh, also again. But like, uh, like yeah. do you feel like when you watch Barbie, do you see a lot of his aesthetic not in, not a ton. in there like writing not wise even yeah it's um, mostly girly, a little sort of. little little of the writing there yeah we'll, sure. we'll have to get into yeah talking about barbie on that episode too because i've i've mixed feelings about that movie <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 absolutely yeah but yeah um well i think uh i think that's it is there anything you want to plug or anything before we officially wrap it up oh sure um come listen to josiah's episode of the worst of all possible worlds fucking rules uh and you know if, if you if you want to hear more about me about movies uh you can subscribe to our patreon and you get fancy movie time where again you will get to hear josiah so really it's like you know 
yeah it, it's josiah mania over there at the <laughs> world's patreon we're crazy about him and you know i i i it is it is so infuriating for you to be so young and so good at this already like it took oh, me, i appreciate that <laughs> it took me literally like two years to figure out how to talk into a microphone so the fact that you can host your own show and be so insightful and like talk about hmm. a wide a, a wide variety of topics you know a thing that is very near and dear to our hearts over at worst of all for the world yeah, and do absolutely. it and do it with with just like really staggering stuff where like you're like oh yeah of course but in a way you would never come to that conclusion by yourself i mean it, it's oh. it's really remarkable work so i'm I, I i'm so happy to be here and anytime you want me back just let me know i'm i'm more than happy because this conversation was Absolutely. thrilling this you made me like a movie i thought i hated how dare you <laughs> This was yeah. This was so fun. I'm so looking forward to next uh, to well. We're recording. We're recording the episode tomorrow. The next the night after this episode. So yeah, I'm uh, gonna fly to your tomorrow. podcast into the sea, and there's nothing Bright Eyes <laughs> can do about it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, uh, make sure to subscribe and check out the back catalog and maybe uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out with the algorithm. And if you want even more stuff, you can check out the Patreon. It's $3 a month. Recent episodes have included a conversation with my good friend Francis Cooper, who ended up at a Jimmy Dore show. And also another discussion of a Mumblecore movie, Kissing on the Mouth, paired with Short Bus, which is not a Mumblecore movie. Uh, I had that conversation with recurring guest Alien, which is a very fun time. Speaking of patrons, this episode is brought to you by our lovely patrons who include Men's Room Louie, Joseph Gross, Gavin Aronson, Stephen, a.k.a. Spike Stonehand, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, Moss, Kyle Gannis, Regular Sized Horse, parentheses small, I Am Once Again, and of course, Chris Barker. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, now uh, here's a Bright Eye song. Every telephone get eaten off the web Must rip out all the epilogues from the books that we have read Into the face of every criminal strapped firmly to a chair We must stare, we must stare, we must stare We must take all of the medicines too expensive now to sell Set fire to the preacher who is promising us hell Into the ear of every anarchist that sleeps but doesn't dream We must sing, we must sing, we must sing And it'll go like this, alright While my mother waters plants My father loads his gun He says death will give us back to God Just like the setting sun is returned to the lonesome ocean And then they splashed into the deep blue sea Oh, it was a wonderful splash Blend into 
to the choir, sing a static with the whole. Must memorize nine numbers and deny we have a soul. And in this endless race for property and privilege to be won, we must run, we must run, we must run. We must hang up in the belfry where the bats and moonlight laugh. We must stare into a crystal ball and only see the past Into the caverns of tomorrow with just our flashlights and our love We must plunge, we must plunge, we must plunge And then we'll get down there, way down to the very bottom of everything And then we'll see it, oh we'll see it, we'll see it, we'll see it Oh my morning's coming back The whole world's waking up all the city buses swimming past I'm happy just because I found out I